Hi everybody, welcome to Living La Vita Loco podcast, a retro gaming podcast for some of your retro gaming needs. My name is Faz. And I'm Rich. I thought I'd add one this week just because it was a, a bit better than having the silence. Rich uh, is still ill because we record these pods in tandem and, it, it, you know, it's like... 15 minutes after we recorded the last pod so you know I don't think his Covid uh, prognosis has got much better in that time but he's hoping um, you know maybe maybe a little bit better uh, so this week we are going to be looking at some of the Lego series by Telltale Games and I thought this would be quite a formulaic gentle pod where there was probably not much opinion um, on it, and that might well be the case where the games are concerned that we're looking at, but not the film franchises, it seems. Uh, so it's probably a good thing that me and Rich are in the same room when we come to the conversation at the end of the podcast, because we have very different opinions on things, uh, <laughs> as you'll find out. But in the meantime, the games that we will be reviewing this week are... Lego Lord of the Rings on the PSP, no, sorry, PS Vita, and Lego Indiana Jones on the PSP. Uh, Lego Indiana Jones is the older of the two games, but you'll be hearing first from Rich, who is reviewing Lego Lord of the Rings on the PS Vita. And uh, yeah, he's got some interesting takes on this game, and it all sounds, you know, completely inane when it comes to speaking about the film series but you know Rich is allowed his opinion and he w- he does fight a good game on that so you know I- I'm willing to listen and then hopefully I'll have my say on whether or not he's right or wrong so yeah we did take a little bit of time at the end of the pod just to talk about uh, you know which is the best trilogy of Indiana Jones or Lord of the Rings and because I-, I thought it was you know probably going to be much of a muchness in terms of I guess um, people are probably, probably positive, but um, yeah, no, excuse a little bit negative in some parts from Rich. So yeah, uh, enjoy listening to our reviews of the games first, and you'll first hear from Rich, then me, and then Rich will talk to us about which of the two trilogies in the films he enjoyed the most and why, and then you'll hear from me. Cool. See you, see you soon. Uh, yeah, Lego Lord of the Rings. Um, it's kind of fitting that I sound like an orc. Um, I, um, I I never played this back in the day. This is like I've gotten completely cold. Um, I played a lot of Lego games. Um, Lego Indiana Jones. Full disclosure is a personal favorite of mine. Um, I really enjoyed that um, on the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty back in the day. And some of the more recent Marvel ones have been great for you know Easter eggs or like you know the the character rosters where you're just like oh hey this guy or you know that obscure person from you know, comic X, Y, Z. Um, and they, they have a, a good line in fun and, 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 you know, being bombastic and gags and Easter eggs and, and, you know, snappy combat and all that kind of stuff. Um, however, the Lego Marvel game that I played back in the day on the Vita um, didn't have any of the kind of hub world antics or you know nowadays they, they do it more as a free roam thing I guess but um, it, it was very straight to the point very small levels um, and it 
it felt like it was missing something. Like it just wasn't. It was almost like a kind of square peg round hole kind of a situation. It was it was a valiant effort, but it it didn't really feel like it was anywhere close to its sort of big console uh, brothers and sisters and. Um, Lego Lord of the Rings feels like more of a step in the right direction. It feels much more like a, a full fat, say, PS3 game. Um, so, you know, much as I've um, said last time about Need for Speed, you, you've got to applaud the technical um, achievement for, for fitting it onto this card. Um, I mean, there, there are sacrifices. Obviously, there are, like, the um, some of the cutscene video is particularly you know compressed and grainy um and doesn't look great but you know it, it does the job um doesn't really outstay its welcome or anything like that um in fact you know while i'm drawing comparisons with with need for speed weirdly um i think much like i said with that where it felt as though the licensing of the cars was somehow impacting what they wanted to do with the gameplay this is the first time I've played a Lego game where it feels as though the license is at odds with what it is to be a Lego game. So like, you know, your Marvels, your Indiana Joneses, all that kind of stuff, they're, they're bombastic, they're loud, they're fun, they're ridiculous. There's a lot that, um, you know, the Lego brand of humour can do with it. Um, I mean, Star Wars, again, you know, like what they could do with back in the day when they weren't even using dialogue, um, let alone nowadays when they are, um, is is impressive. Like there's a lot of wiggle room. Whereas Lord of the Rings, like as a film series, is a lot more serious, and uh, I think that hampers the game. I really do. And I don't know if this was the first one that used actual lines from the movie. And by that, I don't just mean the script. I mean like the actual actors are talking. Like they are the lines lifted from the film. But it feels really at odds. Like so like the, the audio at times, because you know, you are you're out of the context of um Ian McKellen, you know, talking softly in a in a hobbit's house, you know, it feels weirdly quiet <laughs> compared to you know, someone bellowing on a battlefield and all that kind of stuff. Because that you know, that's the audio mix from the film doing the heavy lifting and, and tweaking things there. And it, it feels weirdly disjointed from the game a couple of times. Um, and not only that, but like, they're serious actors acting seriously. Like, there's no levity to any of it. There's no tongue-in-cheek. There's no self-referential stuff. Like, And the game tries really hard with, like, some of the humour. There's a couple of good visual gags, but they're good. They're not great. Like, you know, there's a couple of bits where... You know, someone's trying to point out that I'm a hobbit and they start waving around a bit of a Lego manual showing the difference between a, a hobbit minifigure and a, um, you know, Uruk High or whatever. Um, and, you know, things like that. It, it tries. It, it really does. But it just feels like it falls short all the time. Um, and it's not something that the gameplay shakes off either. Like, when it comes to Lego games... You know, there's a good mix of stuff. There's, like I said, snappy combat. Um, you know, the the combat in this tries to uh, 
bring a couple of extra layers to it. You know, there's there's blocking and parrying and shoving, and you know the the fights are designed to feel more dangerous, but ultimately you are still just mashing buttons, and they just feel like more of a slog than anything. Um, you've got puzzles, and this game really heavily leans on puzzles, like especially to start with. Um, you know, it, it's a long time before you get to any combat because that's what the Fellowship of the Ring was like. Like, it's a long build-up. Um, and so you're doing a lot of Lego puzzles. And, you know, Lego puzzles are basically just breaking stuff to find an item. The only difference is that you've got a couple of extra hoops to jump through before you can find an item sometimes. Um, and especially as the, the Fellowship grows, you're having to switch between characters a lot more. At one point, you're switching between nine characters, all have different abilities or different things they can do, um, you know, in different contexts and things like that. Um, and it just feels a bit cumbersome. Um, and again, like a slog. Um, you've got, um, at one point, there's... Well, hmm, it, it, it feels a lot better when you start jettisoning Fellowship members. Let's say that. Um, I mean, it, it might have been a bit of an easier burden in, in multiplayer or something like that. Um, but then you you kind of have this coupled with the odd, like, performance hiccup as well. You know, if there's weather effects, like, you know, rain and things like that, it can get a little bit choppy sometimes. It's not too bad, um, but, like, it, it there's a bunch of little things that just feel like by trying to be truer to a film that takes itself very seriously or a set of films that take themselves very seriously some of that lego fun is just lost it just it gets buried if not outright lost um and it's a shame it really is um and so it's just yeah i mean i'm looking at my notes over here ponderous is a word that pops up quite a lot alongside slog um and yeah, to go back to my point about film audio, it uses the film soundtrack as well, um, which is very overblown. When you hear it in isolation, like it's very overblown. At one point I was trying to make a fucking casserole with all of these blaring choral voices, you know, going absolutely fucking nuts while I'm stirring a little pot. Um, you know, it, it's overkill. And then like the on the flip side, at one point, my very next note, literally got killed because a bird shit on me. You know, like, it, it's a weird, it's a weird disconnect um, between what the Lego game is trying to do and what the film license wants it to do. Um, and it, it's the most discordant Lego game I think I've ever played. Um, it's a very, very strange beast. And... You know, I, I, I tried to give it time um, and even some of the, you know, the, the high points like, um, you know, a personal high point in the trilogy was, um, you know, the end of the, the Helm's Deep thing when, when Gandalf turns up and charges down the hill and all that kind of stuff. And that happens in a cutscene in this. You charge out the gate, that's in Lego form. It's like a slightly rubbishy version of one of the Crash Bandicoot chase scenes, ultimately. And then it cuts to a cutscene, um, and like there are a couple of boss fights that try and do interesting things, but it's it it always feels a bit 
like it's falling short. Um, and there's there's a lot of um, a lot of unlockables. There's I think there's a character creation thing as well. You know, extras in the levels and reasons to come back and all that kind of stuff. And it does like that. That's the kind of Lego game side of it coming through. But you know, like you you go to the Marvel games and there's always that kind of joy of unlocking someone obscure. Um, and for me, and this is probably because I'm not a fan of the series, ultimately, and we'll come to that. Um, like, there, there was just no, when I was unlocking characters, like, there was just no thrill to any of it. There was no excitement. There was no like, oh, hey, it's this guy. I haven't thought about him in years. It was more like, oh, like another elf who maybe I should know from the film from being like fourth on the left in the background when someone else was talking. You know, it's that kind of level of, yeah, all right, maybe I'm not the target audience for this. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I, I do appreciate a lot of what it's trying to do. I do appreciate the technical um, achievement. But ultimately, it, it just feels like it's a, missing a step for me. I think if you're a fan of the films, I think there's, there's probably going to be more stuff to enjoy from it, more, more stuff to get out of it. Um, you know, you, you're probably looking at an easy seven, uh, if not higher, potentially. For me, it's a six. I know it always feels like I'm giving stuff sixes, but like it is good. It's a, it's it's a good game. It's not necessarily a fun game. Um, like it 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 feels like you've got to. It it takes a long time to warm up. I think, and when it does, it it's not a a boil. It's a simmer. <laughs> so yeah, like it's. It's. I don't resent my time with it, but again, like where I've been ill, um, I, I've I've not been looking forward to playing it, um, and that you know it's, it's probably colouring it slightly. Um, and my wife um, was saying, you know, it 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 sounds like it's making you feel like that nazi at the end of raiders of the lost ark that gets his face melted you know that kind of, <laughs> um not entirely sure where she was going with that but i think she was there, there's a kernel of truth to it um but uh yeah it, it's it's good it's solid it's ultimately not for me though cheers rich for that comprehensive review of lego lord of the rings my turn now i have plumbed for lego indiana jones the original adventures i believe it's called on the psp uh so it's from 2008 and um, so quite a few years into the psp's lifespan um i wouldn't say that it feels like it's a good 2008 game <laughs> i'd feel like if this came out in 2005 i'd probably be a bit more understanding um so let's start with the basics telltale games it was their second lego franchise they had to go at after star wars which makes sense completely obviously you know having that lucas spielberg uh connection um so why wouldn't you have a go at doing one of the best trilogies ever with harrison ford in it uh and yeah it, it just feels like probably the perfect sort of um, type of film trilogy to have a go at that adventure uh, sort of I guess action movie and 
yeah, much like Rich, you know, it's fine, um, a bit stodgy as a game. What well, it sounds like we're both going to skew a little bit negative on these, but Rich's was kind of like for the content and his sort of clear dislike of Lord of the Rings, which I'm sure we're, gonna, we're about to get into, <laughs> looking at the trilogy. Whereas I absolutely adore Indiana Jones and still found these games a bit of a muddle and a bit boring, if I'm going to be honest. But that said, Lego games, I feel like they really need, that they fulfil something in the market, which is they make these types of movies accessible for people so it's you know you get kids playing these games when necessarily they might not have seen the movies now that kind of has a good side and a bad side the good side being that they get to experience these stories in a in a way that they might not be able to experience it otherwise that it's really good for them to be able to kind of get the essence of Indiana Jones or Lord of the Rings whereas they might be a little bit young for actually seeing the movies but on the flip side of that, um, for example, during this game, unlike with Rich's review and Lego Lord of the Rings, there's no dialogue in this game. So you don't actually know what's going on very easily compared to, say, obviously watching the movie. So it's a big, it's a massive loss that you don't have that characterization that you get with Indiana Jones and especially with Harrison Ford and... Um, you know, that you, you don't get all the supporting actors who do such a fantastic job during the movies. You don't get any of that at all. There's no dialogue whatsoever in this in this game. So you don't actually know what's going on. And like I said before, the children that play these games probably... Uh, and I'm not saying you have to be a child to play it, but there will be kids that play these games that won't actually understand what is going on in the, in the trilogy or the storyline because they've not seen the movies. So you can kind of gra- gleam a little bit from the cutscenes, but it's not perfect. In terms of speaking about cutscenes and the game's performance, so I'm talking about a PSP game from 2008 here. My PSP really struggled with the UMD on this. The, the load times, especially on the travel by map parts of the game, going into the levels, were ridiculous. They took ages. I'm talking a couple of minutes. It was almost getting for Sims 2 load time levels here uh, which is a real shame because you know I was waiting in anticipation to play this game excited to get back into it and I'm just sat there thinking god just watching Indiana Jones's footprints walking around the map the one the parts from the movie that is the most exciting parts is travel by map and this is quite funny really because I think that what uh, Rich's problem with Lord of the Rings as an idea in the games is that um, you kind of get sort of too bogged down in the travel which i would argue is the concept of lord of the rings but anyway you whereas indiana jones really funnily enough um you get that travel by map and that probably cuts out most of the you know imagine you can imagine a trilogy where indiana jones is actually doing the walking or the you know the traveling not by map but by vehicle and uh, it would last, you know, up to the same time limit as what Lord of the Rings would as well. So that's a fair enough point, I guess, really, in terms of looking at those differences between those two trilogies. But, yeah, I absolutely love that part of the movie. And it becomes a real chore because of the fact that it's been extended by the load times of the UND. And uh, I know this game's nearly, you know, nearly 20 years old now, but you could still expect it to be able to perform where it's not waiting five minutes to get in one, you know, 
nearly five minutes to get into a level. So that's pretty annoying. Uh, it's a really faithful adaptation in terms of what you see in the cutscenes and the way it goes from level to level and what you experience in levels. Obviously, they're fleshed out quite a bit. You know, you get to spend a bit more time. For example, when Indy travels to go to see Marion in Nepal. I'm going to sound like a really bad fan now. I believe that it is. You know, you get to do quite a bit of the level outside of her bar once it burns down. So there's, and a lot of it's puzzles, a lot of it's fighting uh, the Nazis that are in the area. But all that obviously fleshes out a bit more than what is actually in the film. Does that make it better than the film that these bits are, are here and around and fluffing it out? Not really. They just feel like filler. It just feels like you're just doing it just to play the game, which I know that's the whole point of, you know, if you just had a very thin down version of this game, you'd probably be quite cross because you're like, well, there's not enough to it. But at the same time, all the filler that's there doesn't feel very impactful. So I don't think necessarily that that really benefits it at all. Um, you know, th there's some really good knowing nods in the game. Again, same level, for example, you go past an ice cave and Luke Skywalker's hanging from the ceiling, which is pretty cool. Do you know what I mean? Like, obviously, a nod back to their own, their own game series and also the fact that it's Lucas and you've got Spielberg in there. So that's quite fun. There's all those little in-jokes in cutscenes as well. Um, you know, it, it's They do everything that Rich says it does and they do it okay. Um, you know, same in Lord of the Rings, same in Indiana Jones. It's fine, you know, and again, you have to caveat it and say, well, actually, these games are probably pointed at sort of, you know, children. So is it something that kids will laugh at? But like I said, a lot of them wouldn't get the context either. So the controls, they're fine. Um, you know, it can be a little bit frustrating moving around. It's, a, it's like a 2.5D world and you can't move the camera angle because you haven't got that extra analog stick on the PSP. That does simplify things in so much that you can, there's only certain things you can do but again it can be quite frustrating as well so um yeah it's okay uh you know the, i've had worse controls on the psp it, you know the one of the most fun things probably is exploring exploring barnet college uh that's the home screen the way you come back and the way you can go from you know to load up the levels it's just nice to get to see, you just get that little filling up of the Indiana Jones world, of the college, of the, the your collectibles that you get go back there. So it's kind of cool to see little things that are from the movies. Um, the score, the musical score is really faithful and that's just lovely. I, you know, the, the grail music there's, and the main, you know, Raiders March is just one of the best pieces of musical score ever for any movie. There's nothing better than pretending that you're riding a horse in your front room when that's on. So, you know, and I will openly admit to doing that on many, many occasions. So, yeah, um, how would I score this game? Five out of ten. You know, I'm not going to kick it out of bed, but it's not one of the best games I've ever played. And it is, it does feel very aged. So I will, um, you know, use one of the quotes from Last Crusade. It belongs in a museum. And that's how I feel about this game. I, I can't help it. I've got to do the next bit. So do you. That's brilliant. Yeah, that was a really good uh, impression. So, yeah, I think that I've had worse games. 
had better games, and that's why it's bang in the middle for me. Uh, the later Lego games like the Skywalker saga are much improved and whilst a bit more complex and a bit more things to do they're definitely a better type of Lego game so those games have improved with experience and not necessarily improved with age so thanks very much for listening to that we're now going to chat a little bit about the movie trilogies of Lord of the Rings and Indiana Jones compared to each other. So it'll be really interesting to see what comes out of that as well. So it's now going to be Rich talking about uh, which one he prefers. Okay, so I know plenty of people who would go, oh, you know, you like nerdy stuff, you like Dungeons and Dragons and all that kind of stuff. You must love Lord of the Rings. No, I don't. I'd never, ever loved Lord of the Rings. I've never read the books. It, I've, I've endured the films. I haven't enjoyed them. Um, like, like I said with the game, like there, there's a, a level of technical wizardry, huh, wizardry, uh, a level of achievement, you know, the scale, all that kind of stuff. Like you, in terms of filmmaking, and, and having the vision to put this together and, and make it happen and pull it off, like, you can't fault that. Like, I'm, I, you know, I'm obviously not going to take that away from anybody. However, you know, in terms of setting precedent for three-hour-long films for us to sit through that take a very long time to get anywhere um, and don't get to the point, you know, like, the film is meant to be life with the boring bits cut out. However, Lord of the Rings seems to go out of its way to leave a lot of that in. And like, you could argue that it's character stuff. However, a lot of these characters I don't care about. Like, the Hobbits are fundamentally fucking ridiculous. Like, they are idiots who make poor decisions. And I'm sorry, if you're going to do that, at least make it funny. Like, you know, at least make it engaging. Um, and I think with Lego Lord of the Rings, like, that... The way it cuts the the cinematic stuff to the quick and gives you the, the the bare bones, the bare essentials of the plot points to get through highlights how ridiculous the hobbits are and how little I care about them. And I was, again, saying to my wife earlier on, like, I think this playing Lego Lord of the Rings has made me realise how little I like Lord of the Rings as a, a set of films. Um, the the fact that they went and made two more films entirely focused on Hobbits just uh, irritates me. Like, I just don't find them engaging. The best bits of the films for me were when you had Aragorn, Gimli and Legolas going and hunting Orc and stuff like that. So, like, there's a, a, a not insignificant chunk of the second film that I do genuinely enjoy. However, that is slap bang in the middle of nine hours of drudgery <laughs> which I am simply not willing to sit through anymore um, and like I say I think I genuinely think it set a precedent for um, you know being okay with three hour films um, so rather than becoming like rather than being a, um, you know something unusual or, or particularly eye catching because I mean I mean, I can't remember the exact runtime, but like, you know, things like Apocalypse Now come to mind pretty quickly as being quite a long film and, and you know, they, but they would be the exception rather than the rule, whereas now it feels as though it's almost expected for a blockbuster to, you know, be pushing a three hour mark. 
Um, and I and I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why it needs to be a thing. Um, but you know, maybe maybe that's me. Um, so I I have no great love for Lord of the Rings as a as an entity. Um, so for me, like the when it comes to franchises, like Indiana Jones is gonna beat Lord of the Rings hands down. Like it's it's more fun. It's got a more engaging main character. It's just got a dare I say it, a better sense of the kind of adventure I want to see on screen. Like, if I want to see two floppy-haired weirdos go on a walking holiday, I'll go outside. You know, like, I, I, it just seems like I there is a... I don't even know if it's a suspension of disbelief thing that I can't do, but, like, I'm more invested in Indiana Jones and what is going on in that world um, than the Lord of the Rings stuff. Um don't get me wrong like they are very very close to flogging that particularly dead horse um, of a franchise um and you know it, it's the sort of thing that i'm it always saddens me a little bit to to see that we can't just like enjoy it and then leave it and move on and you know where's where's the wriggle room for for any of the new stuff if um or the next big idea if we're all looking to the horizon, wondering when the next Indiana Jones film is going to drop or, or similar. And, you know, it's a similar story with Star Wars and all that kind of stuff. I'm pretty sure I've gone on rants about this before now, whereas, you know, we, we seem really reluctant to, to just let a franchise mothball. Um, and I think we should be braver and do that. Um, but, but that's me. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's the sort of thing that I've always just enjoyed the Indiana Jones films more, and particularly that that first original Indiana Jones trilogy. I think Pound for Pound might be one of my favourite trilogies of all time. Um, you know, I could watch any of those films and know I'll enjoy it. And I used to hate um, the the Temple of Doom, but you know, nowadays I, I've I've really warmed to it. Um, and there's definitely bits in it that I can enjoy. Obviously, there are bits of it that I despise, such as the high pitched screaming, but. Um, you know, it, it, it's the sort of thing that, in a toss-up between the two, I'm infinitely more likely to go seek out one of the Indiana Jones films to, than a Lord of the Rings film. Um, and, yeah, it, it's it's just... Lord of the Rings just doesn't really do much for me. Um, and I wish I had a, a bit more of a, a reasoned argument than that. Um, but, fr- frankly, I don't. And I don't know if that's a you know, the the age I was when it came out compared to, you know, when I was watching Indiana Jones or, or what, but, you know, it may well be a, there may well be a, a, a facet of that in there somewhere. Um, but, yeah, and it extends to the Lego games. Like, I, I, I think I enjoyed the Lego Indiana Jones game more because I was more on board with it from the get-go and so more of the gags, references, in-jokes, Easter eggs, all that kind of stuff. I was more like, hey, yeah, this is cool. Um, whereas Lego Lord of the Rings, I'm just like, yeah, it feels a bit self-indulgent though, doesn't it? Um, which seems stupid when it's all doing the same thing, but, um, you know, there it is. And I'm sure this is exactly the sort of conversation we're, we're going to end up coming back to time and time again. Uh, so I'll leave it there, um, until I inevitably finish this recording and think of an extra point I was going to mention. Uh, but yeah, no, um, Indiana Jones all the way. Thanks for that, Rich. Um, 
I really appreciate you giving up so much time, um, considering your illness, uh, especially uh, having to even think about Lord of the Rings. It sounds like it, it was a real bind for you to think about the amount of time you've spent your life, <laughs> spent your life on that trilogy, and it'd be such a, a horrible experience for you, which makes me really sad. Um, so let's start with where we agree, and that is Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones as a trilogy is absolutely fucking fantastic. The Razor Lost Ark is my favourite film of all time. Um, how how do I how do I judge that? I've always thought about this in terms of oh, it's very easy, and you know what if a new film comes along, and I'm open to that. I am open to another film dislodging that film, but I know fine well when I sit down. On a Sunday evening, and it's seven thirty p.m. and I turn on the television, and if Raiders of the Lost Ark is on, there is nothing that will stop me watching that film. It is one of those things that I'm just drawn into completely and utterly. I know pretty much every line of dialogue. I mean, I'm terrible at remembering things, but I can remember when things happen in that film. Um, I regularly use. Um, you know, lines of dialogue from that film. Um, it, it is just so wonderfully acted. The storyline is brilliant and the little bits of high fantasy in there are just the right amount dabbled in. And it's just, it's it's grounded completely by Harrison Ford's cynical, sort of sarcastic Indiana Jones who, you know, I love that Indy's just like, in this occult world and just like not I mean he obviously believes in it a bit but not a lot either as well and that's just what makes it fantastic that you've just got this kind of like yeah obviously brilliantly wonderfully handsome intelligent genius but he's also you know like a bit of a grunt as well and you know he's everything rolled into one and I just love the character and you know you can I could watch that film or like over and over and over in so much that if someone said to me, you have to watch uh, Razor Lost Ark 15 times in a row, I don't think I would get bored. I, I genuinely don't think I would. It's just, there's always something new to pick up in it, whether and whether that is in the acting or whether it is in something, you know, in the settings. Uh, it's just brilliant. What a start there, you know, and every film that I think about being the best films and this goes to the whole trilogy there's always a set piece at the start and every film should start with a set piece you know like it's just to get you in you know like to have the the boulder rolling down in the cave the the even just the little slight deft touches that every single cultural touch point that's been since there must be every long running tv show has had a point where a main character has touched their chin whilst they look at a MacGuffin sat on top of a stone that is about to sink if they move it and replace it with a bag of sand. Do you know what I mean? That that happens and it's just... I think that if you've seen that film, then everything else would click in the world and be like, oh, that's where they've got it from. And it's just like, I cannot wait to show my children uh, Razor Lost Ark. And, And this obviously goes to, I guess, the main trilogy i mean yeah i know i haven't even seen five yet and, and it's not from a lack of wanting to go it's just i know that it'll be okay and four is okay i'm not a, a um 
a sort of a person that defends it necessarily but I, I appreciate four being there and five more than most really I mean I know that it's flogging a dead horse sometimes with these things but at the same time I, and this will come into my Lord of the Rings sort of thing if I love a universe if I'm in sort of invested in it more whilst it's not better but more fleshing out isn't a bad thing for me I don't mind learning more if I can live and love my time with those characters in the main but anyway back to the trilogy you know uh, we're talking about sort of Temple of Doom and you mentioned in your review as well Temple of Doom wasn't something you love as a child that isn't a film that people love as children I don't think it's quite an adult film even though it's still the same rating as the other two films I think that if you look at if you're going to show those films to kids, you would show Last Crusade probably first, I think, in terms of, I guess, accessibility to children. Then you'd probably go with Raiders. Temple of Doom, it's quite a scary film in terms of, I guess, for a, a younger audience, really. And, the, you know, the concept of, you know, having <laughs> having your having your heart ripped out while someone's going, Kalima, Kalima, and, you know, and getting lowered into lava is probably a bit terrifying for me at the age of 35 <laughs> never mind a five-year-old so yeah it does take a little while to be able to love Temple of Doom but again once you get old enough to be able to appreciate the concepts in it you still get that classic indie through line of all these crazy occult things are going on around Indiana Jones and he's just there cracking his whip cracking his jokes having a great time and that's all those that's all that trilogy is it's just a lot of fun nearly all the time um you know concept wise there's nothing about it that makes me feel like I, I don't enjoy any of parts of those three films so yeah I would accept that Indiana Jones as a trilogy is a very good trilogy is it a better trilogy than Lord of the Rings that is hard to answer because I think that, I mean, usually when you do this trilogy situation, you kind of go, all right, well, these three films versus these three, these three films. Like we did with the Star Wars films earlier in our podcast, we talked about a set of films versus another set of films. If we were going to be as formulaic as that, I don't think that Indiana Jones is a better trilogy than Lord of the Rings as a trilogy. The Lord of the Rings sits better, obviously, because it is that one through thread in terms of it, what one large story. And then in terms of the actual um, landing of the films, in terms of how they all are, say you're going to rate them all out of five, you know, generic four sort of films and things, I would say that Raiders obviously would be a five out of five for me, and then I'm talking four out of five probably for both of the others. Lord of the Rings, I think that... Uh, it's hard to say, but I'd probably say at least two of the three films are five out of five films, probably two and three, and four being... I mean, sorry, number one, <laughs> uh, Fellowship being a four-star film. And the fact that you don't like Lord of the Rings is okay. I can understand why you wouldn't like it if it's just too boring, too plodding, too mixed up in its own world. And I would say that, you know, I'm not saying that you have to read the books as a, as a back story for films. That isn't That shouldn't be a prerequisite for you to enjoy a film. You shouldn't have to read the stories. But... I watched the first film and then I read all three books before The uh, Two Towers and Return of the King came out and that really helped me enjoy the second and third film more. Um, I've got uh, something in my head where I think that also 
life experiences around that time. Like, this is going to sound really weird and it probably shouldn't go into a a part of a, a film review. But I saw Fellowship of the, of, uh, the Ring uh, twice at the cinema. Um, and the second time actually was just me canoodling with a girlfriend at the age of 13 for two and a half hours. So actually, if you think about, you were talking about the runtime being too long. It was pretty good for me for that one. So um, it was definitely three hour films worked out pretty well for me in that one. Um, So, you know, very much a coming of age moment. Uh, I also remember that at the end of Return of the King, uh, I went to an independent cinema, probably for one of the last times when I lived in the city of Carlisle, the Lonsdale Cinema, and it had a break in it. And that was like, you know, like you're probably thinking, oh my God, that's a ridiculous idea, that the idea that there has to be a break in the film, that means it is far too long. I love that idea that there's a break in a film. Um, you know, that really nostalgic feeling of having 15 minutes where it's like, right, okay, this is an extensive film, it is really long. Go on, have 15 minutes, just think about you're building up to sort of crescendo after two and a half films and you're about to get into it and find out what happens. How excited are you going to be? It just builds, it just adds anticipation. I also got into a massive, the biggest fight I've ever got into with my sister about that. It's a bit complex kind of talking about why that is. It's to do with the fact there was two cinemas in Carlisle. She thought I was out drinking. I don't know why. I was actually just really invested in the journey into Mordor. Um... I can't believe you don't like hobbits. That is just so, you know, like, it's just mean, man. I mean, you know, like, you know, your hair is quite hobbity rich. I mean that in a nice way. Like, you know, just embrace it. Be okay with it. Like, at the end of Return of the King, I'm really sorry, but when uh, <laughs> when Aragorn says to the hobbits and the whole of the world is, you know, like effectively what feels like the whole of what's left of the world, a man is at the top of Gondor and he's being crowned as the king and they bow to him and then he says, my friends, you bow to no one. Like, I guess that does elicit either, that either makes you feel like, ugh, or it makes you feel like that's the best moment at the end of cinema. Like, it just makes you think that, you know, these... Yeah, they are idiots. They are shit. They're not very good. Like, what a terrible idea it is to have four bumbling idiots go and try and save the world. It isn't great, but the concept is that no matter how small you are, you know, no no matter... Like, I know this is going to sound like you're going to be like, oh, I know what the idea is, but no matter how small you are, no matter how insignificant you feel... Um, if you're pure of heart and you just honest, genuine people, then actually you're worth as much as anybody else, especially aggressive buffoons who just fight over the world or seek power. Like, that's how it feels to me. And I just think that that really does, you know, I guess, that, that whole world that you buy into for hours and hours and hours, it builds up to that moment and it made me feel like, I was kind of important, you know, like as in I'm only small stature and I am only one person, but I kind of probably really, that resonates with me. It feels like a really important part of me as a person, like as in, you know, as long as I try to be as good as possible to others and try my best and don't ever give up and add that resilience in there, then I feel like, you know, it's worth it. And that's just where I come down, really. In terms of actual cinema making, like Lord of the Rings, like what they, it's unparalleled in its adaptations from the books. It is sensational how they have managed to make something 
that is so difficult to comprehend in Tolkien's books and writings and put it onto screen, make it look so incredible, put some awesome acting all together, make that fellowship actually feels like a family. Like, you know, I, I, won't, I won't watch any less than the extended versions. And, I, and whenever I watch them, I usually watch all the extended features on DVD as well. I, I mean, I, I have wept at the last... At the 12 hours of extras, you know, there's these stories on about some of the sort of people that are involved in the production of the film and their families on the on those DVDs. And it just makes you feel like you just understand that this sort of five year period of them going through and filming this really did make it feel like, you you know, and they've added those features in there. So you feel like part of the family. So, again, I really gained more from having more world. So whilst you um feel that there's too much padding in there. The more padding makes me feel like I'm part of it. And I guess I would argue that it, it, for somebody that, and again, I can't speak for you, but somebody who likes RPGs and that world building so much, um, it, I do struggle to see the, you know, how you don't think that it's a good idea. You know, you're just talking sort of about, you know, um, in your game review about cooking casseroles, that people love Zelda and, and doing all the cooking in that and things and um you know or maybe they don't love it i don't know actually but it it just feels like there is a lot to um the world and you have that person that loves that world or maybe like yourself you think that it's too much i am in the former camp and i also think on top of that as well the films are so well made and the story is so well told um but yeah i i just think that as a as a whole it trumps Indie. As much as that actually hurts me to say that because of the fact that, you know, Razor Lost Ark is my favourite film and sat and sits in that first trilogy. So that's my rebuttal. I don't know if you've got anything else to say back, but fair enough. You know, you can have your opinion, I guess. I'm not sure what everyone else thinks, our listeners, but you're welcome to have your say in our socials as well, guys. So that pretty much rounds it up for this week. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Hopefully we won't have another illness covid podcast and we'll get back to some sort of regular um i guess scheduling soon i did want to leave you with one last story from a regular contributor to the pod and that is uh at drawn from the mind nathan bed who's been on the pod before and he has done our artwork for the pod and the music for the pod as well and he was on episode seven so if you've not listened to that one yet then give that a listen that's about am i a good gamer I asked Nath to share a little story that is Lord of the Rings inspired um, from our school days that I just thought might, you know, might tip the sort of Lord of the Rings trilogy over the edge in the winning column. Uh, so thanks for listening and I'll leave you with in the cable hands of Nathan Baird telling you a lovely story about our childhood. Thanks. So I'm glad you asked me to tell the story. I've actually told it quite a few times um, and I'm pretty sure it changes every time I tell it. Um, But I can't even remember what year it was in school, but we were in German class. And the way I remember it, um, one of our friends called Sharky was being a little bit naughty, shall we say. And he kept telling the teacher to... Um, I wonder if I can swear on this podcast I don't know if you swear he was telling the teacher to fuck off um, and 
the teacher was getting increasingly angry with it to the point where he asked um, Sharky to leave the classroom to stand outside. Um, but he sort of like got off to go tell him to leave, I think. Or maybe Sharky was leaving and he told him to fuck off as he was leaving. And he didn't want him to leave the classroom. That's what it was. He didn't want him to leave the classroom. So he got up to get in his way. And for some reason, um, because of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, um, the the effects, the, the, the atmosphere, the amazing performance by um, Sir Ian McKellen, as Gandalf, I had a meter ruler next to my desk and I was in between uh, the teacher, her Scott, um, and our friend Sharky. Sharky was his last name, um, which is why he was called Sharky. It wasn't because he had a fin or anything like that. I don't think we had many um, mutants in our school. Um, There were a few. Um, Anyways, I was in between... And so I got up with the meter ruler and struck it upon the ground um, in front of the teacher and shouted, You shall not pass. Um, Obviously, everyone thought that was funny. And the teacher was a, you know, he got startled by it. It made sure that Sharky could get out of the room. So, you know, I did my job. Um, But just, you know, that came to my head. I saw the meter ruler. I knew what I had to do. Her Scott was going towards my friend, you know, in a Balroggy fashion. Uh, if the, there was a, a feeling of fire um, from from the anger, um, so I felt like I was in the minds of Moria, and I had I just had to do that um, and take myself because obviously I got told off after that. So I, I think I got in more trouble than Sharky did, um, to be honest with you. But, you know, I was taking one for the team, like Gandalf did, and then came back next time we were in German, like Gandalf the White, basically. Came back to applause, which that's what you seek as a, as a class clown. Um, I, I do wonder, though, to this day, whether he would have let me off with it if I'd said it in German. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure, really. Um, do canst um, do do canst nixt do canst nicht vorbei do canst nicht vorbei. I think that's I think that's what he says in the German. I don't know, but I hope you enjoyed the story. Anyways, um, 